God bless you. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's so good to have Jason dedicated to the Lord. Oh, that was so wonderful. Thank you for praying over our Alaska team. God is good. Thanks for being here. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are going to be jumping around in the book of Proverbs. We are in this series about uh, using the book of Proverbs to understand what wisdom is. And a couple weeks ago and throughout this series, we've been saying that wisdom is the art of skillfully living in all of the life's different circumstances. So if you turn to the book of Proverbs, I am gonna read a smattering of, of Proverbs, which they're all kind of these things, these sayings written that can kind of stand alone. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But let me take a poll of you. You might agree with me that in, at least in my lifetime, it seems like in this last, let's say two years, Things with our words, our communication, that's, that's the, the subject for today's sermon is how we use our words, that our words in our, the country we live in, the world I live in, in my lifetime have gotten so mean, like vitriol. Maybe you would agree if, if we polled each other, like, like it just seems like, I'm sure in other places of the world, at other times, things may have been worse, but in my lifetime, it seems like in the last year, people are fighting more, people or just like sharing their opinion and maybe some of that has to do with online stuff and social media. Maybe it just happens to do with like the stress and the stress of last year. I don't know, but wouldn't you say, I see a lot of nodding heads, that in the last year or so, things have gotten worse and worse and worse. And maybe it's something like spiritual. Maybe it's something demonic that our nation is heading towards a place of just fighting and division and strife and using our words to cut. And we as the church, we have a mission. Like we can say something to this world that's full of love and encouragement. We have a message of truth and, and goodness and wholeness that the world just really needs to hear right now. So if you would, would you stand with me? I'm gonna read um, different Proverbs as the word of God and we stand in reverence to his word. And uh, let me just read, I have quite a few here so you'll, you'll be standing for just a moment as we list these different Proverbs and kind of jump around. All totaled, there's about 110 different Proverbs about communication and when it comes to the book of Proverbs. So the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, 110 verses. I'm going to read about 10 here. Uh, Proverbs 10, tw 21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. 1031 says, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. Proverbs 12, 14, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. 12, 18, and 19, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lip shall be established forever. Proverbs 13, 3, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. Verse 15, one is one of my favorites. I think about this a lot. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Verse 15, two, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. 
Verse 31, or chapter 31, this is uh, for all the women, this is a proverb, a whole chapter written from a woman to women, what a godly woman looks like. And it has to do with what she says in verse 26. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. And then one of my favorite, 18, for the words of one's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing Brook. Let's pray. Lord, we, we ask you and pray to you right now that you would in a way show us ourselves like in a mirror, that Lord, you would convict us where we need to be convicted. Lord, you would encourage us to, to use our words, our communication to further your truth, your gospel, your love here on this earth. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. We pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have a three-point sermon for you. Who would have guessed? I know, it's a surprise. Uh, although point number two, we'll get to that, has quite a few sub-points. So I have a lot to say about using our words and communication because the book of Proverbs certainly does, and we're in this series taking different subjects from the book of Proverbs. The first point is this, that, that the words, our words have power. What we say is very important. This is not something that I just made up this morning. This is not something that I just thought about this week. I've spent my life realizing, wow, words really do have power. What we say can bring life or death. What we say can, can break apart a family. Or, and praise God, what we say can mend relationships. What we say can start wars. What we say can bring wars to an end. Words bring life or death. They have that kind of power. In fact, Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Words have this kind of power. Let me first give a couple negative examples of how words can tear down and destroy and bring war and chaos. Um, I think about this book I read not too long ago that, that talks about um, how wars are in our day and age and how powerful social media is with, with wars and riots and protests. And there was all these examples of like a war would be starting or a protest that would lead to a war would be starting in the city. And so the government, knowing the power of words, and communication would shut down the internet, shut down the phone lines, and it would, it would quelch the war. Why? Well, because words have power. I think about um, like governments kind of negatively using this, like the government of China. I'm learning a lot about China now and, and talking a lot with um, the, the pastor over our Chinese congregation at New Life and learning. And I've found that China says they have freedom of speech, but it's nothing like we have. You cannot in China talk bad about the Communist Party. You cannot in China talk bad about the government. You just can't. You'll be arrested. You'll be censored. You will be, you know, if you put something online, it'll just disappear. Like it won't show up in Google searches. It's just how the government operates. They do not allow people to speak bad about their government. So a few years ago, people started speaking bad about the president. President Xi, uh, unfortunately, kind of has a round face and kind of a round belly. And so they were using Winnie the Pooh to talk bad about the president. It was kind of like a code for who the president was. And the government finds out about this as an example. Um, and so nowadays, Winnie the Pooh is now illegal in China. You cannot have the image or say the name Winnie the Pooh. This, I'm not making this up. This is a true story. And why? Why would China do this? Well, because China knows the power 
of words and they seek to crush any opposition to the government. Why? Because they know the power of words. I'm speaking kind of just nationally and internationally right now, but maybe you have experienced this in your life. You know the power of negative words. Maybe someone, I bet everybody in here, if we gave it enough thought, would say something has happened in your life where maybe some leader, maybe some boss, maybe maybe a pastor, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach has said something negative over you and maybe they meant it as a joke. Maybe they meant it, they were going having a hard day of their own. They said something negative over you and it has crushed you. It's something you remember. It's something that's brought you down. It's like a seed, a negative seed planted and there's fruit of that in your life and you're not the same person because of some negative words spoken over you. Good news, like this morning, we can pray over you. We can break word curses in the name of Jesus, but we all kind of know, we, we know that there is that power of words over our lives. Um, thinking about um, maybe you have said something and it's come out and you wish immediately that you could take back in words. And you can't, like you can't apologize enough for what you just, you can't just say, I was just kidding. What has been said is now out there and you can't put it back in. I think of like sunscreen and my boys, I have four little boys that are constantly ending up in my sermons, pray for them. But this week they were, they were like, oh, we're gonna go to the park. And in the back seat, they were putting sunscreen on. They, like the whole thing was out. And then one of them fell over and it's like all over the back of the minivan. And, it's, and they're like trying to suck it back into the, trying to get it. You can't put sunscreen back in the bottle. It's like when we, the metaphor is like when we say something and it's negative and it's out there, then we, we can't put it, we can't like try, but it's like waste of time to try to put it back in. Once we say something, it's out there. Words have power. Let me give you some good examples now. So that's like the power of negative words. There's also power in positive words. Every one of us in here could probably sit down and give it some thought to like kind words that were spoken over us at different times in our life. A coach, a teacher, a pastor, a parent has, has like sat down, looked you in the eye and said, you have a calling or you have this in your life or you have these giftings. And th those were like little seeds that even now, maybe it's been years ago, have, have made big trees and there's fruit in your life now because of little seeds people have planted with their words years and years ago. For me, it was, I had a youth pastor named Paul Bradley and he picked me and just two other guys. And you looked at us and we're, we weren't the most popular in the youth group. We weren't the smartest. Artists, we weren't the funnest, we weren't the leaders, but he saw something in me and these two other guys, unassuming three little guys in high school, our senior years, and he sat down with us and over the course of a couple weeks over a summer, taught us the Bible and spoke into us. And so you guys have a gift for teaching. And we were like, what? Like, we've never taught anything. Like, no, I want to teach you the Bible because I just feel like someday you're going to be teaching the Bible. And I was like, looking at that now, I was like, wow, that's exactly what I'm doing now. Little seeds of kind words, of, of prophetic words, of, of just encouraging words spoken to me like 20 years ago have now made their way into my life. And there's fruit. Thank you, Paul Bradley. If you're watching this, baby, I'll send you the link. But praise God for people like that who just see something and speak good over individuals. And it's just a little seed. It's just a little word. It doesn't cost anything to say something kind, to point out some gifting in someone else. It's a little seed and it grows and the Lord grows it. And there's trees and there's fruits because of these little words. I'll come back to this uh, idea of planting words and, and seeds towards the end of this sermon. But let me, let me say a point number 
number two is this, and we'll have some sub uh, points under this point number two. Point two is this, that words produce healing and life in others. I'm gonna continue this thought now of, of speaking well, speaking good over people's lives, uh, producing healing and life in others. I have a bunch of different like types of words that can bring healing and life in others. Um, the first one is that our words can bring peace. Proverbs 15, one, think about this all the time. I mentioned this already, that a soft word turns away wrath. A soft word turns away wrath, doesn't it? Like you see people arguing and fighting and just a quick word of, of encouragement, a quick word of love, a quick word spoken in peace brings about a whole different attitude in the argument, doesn't it? I think about what I opened up with like the poll of like how many of you, you know, think that in your lifetime, it's just like this segment of history, it's gotten really nasty and fighting and vitriol. People sharing their opinions. People want to be right more than they want to be kind. And it's like everyone in this last couple years has been a, a total expert when it comes to pandemics. Like they, an epide everyone's now an epidemiologist saying like with everyone's opinion, like so forceful and like they should have done this. They should have done that. And why did they do that? This rule was bad. This was stupid. This is, and it just blows up, right? Like this is the world we live in when the race riots happened like a year ago and things just blew up. Everyone became a race expert. Everyone was like, well, we should be doing this instead of this. They should be doing this. Why do they do this? What did the, and it just blows up. And man, what the church needs now more than ever, what we needed is kind words spoken through the Holy Spirit. We don't have to win arguments and fights. We need to speak truth and we need to speak it in kindness. We need to speak with, with healing. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. The second kind of sub point under speaking life and healing is that words of kindness bring encouragement. We need encouragement right now in our world. Um, here's a verse for you about anxiety. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart. No kidding, right? Like think about all the anxious, stressful situations this past year in our lives, in our society. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Think about the anxiety, the depression in our culture today. It's, it's epidemic level. Um, I think about sitting down, some New Life pastors sat down with uh, some, some uh, mental health uh, facilitators, counselors, and the counselors, it's like at a breaking point. Like they've said, I, we wish we could declare a state of emergency because there's so many patients right now, not enough counselors. There's so, like we don't have enough tools and resources and counselors to take care of everything going on right now. There's so much anxiety and depression. And so if you're looking for an assignment. Some of you are like, Lord, what do you have for me? You know what you can do? You can use your words to be kind. You can use your words to encourage. Why? Because anxiety weighs down the heart is what Proverbs 12, 25 says. But a kind word, what does it do? It cheers it up. We can bring life and encouragement to the people around us that so desperately need it. 
I, I know in my own life, I've uh, struggled with sarcasm and kind of been the person that was funny, but in a very negative way. Maybe you've had, been this person in a group of friends where you just, you, you can say something funny, but it's usually at the cost of someone else. Like I remember, this is like early years for me in college where I could just, I was really funny, but it was always like a cutting kind of humor. And man, I wish I could go back and undo some of the mean things I said just to be funny. I remember like a friend just rambling on and on about something that was important to him. And like a group of friends were listening. We're kind of just all looking at each other. And I made the statement. It's like, you must be under the false impression that we all care. And we just laughed. We had laughed. Ah but I remember my friend just like, oh, like the, the sinking. I wish I could go back and take back those words. I remember like my friend got a brand new car, brand new to him. It was a used, it was kind of a piece of junk. And he got in, he was a full, car full of boys and we're, we're about to drive and he goes to start it and it didn't start. And I, I said, hey, the junkyard calls, they want their car back. And it, ah, that's so funny. But he was just like, ah, oh, it was his first car. And just like thinking like, man, I just, you, I could use my words to be so funny, but it was so cutting. I remember a girl uh, dressed up for something, like some sort of graduation. It was the 90s. She had like some striped suit thing and she comes in and like in front of a group of people, I was like, I can't, I, I don't even know if you're, are you Ronald McDonald or are you, are you trying to escape jail? And everyone, I everyone thought it was so funny. And this girl just like, oh, sunk. And I, man, I wish I could go back to some of those circumstances. And sure, it was funny. Everyone smiled, but man, those were cutting, sarcastic, negative comments that I, I wonder if like people are still like, man, that just brought me down that day, that week. Maybe it led to like, it's like more anxious, depressing thoughts because I was someone in their lives who they kind of trusted. Like, oh, Joe is a friend. Well, turns out he's, he's, he's just, he's cutting and mean just to be funny. Man, we can't can't get those words back. And so towards the end of college, I remember seeing this verse. If you want to turn there, you can. It's Proverbs 26, 18. And it speaks exactly to that situation of speaking negative, sarcastic, just to be funny. And it says this, Proverbs 26, 18 says, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows is the one who deceives or speaks negative against their neighbor and then says, do you see it? I was only joking. This is what this, what this translation says, like a maniac shooting deadly flaming arrows is someone speaking negatively and then just says, I was just kidding. And I remember seeing this verse that spoke right to me, like my words are powerful. What I say can be so cutting just in the name of humor. And I think, man, we as the church, we got to be better than this. And so maybe I'm just speaking to myself right now, but I've learned a lot from another community. I think the church can learn a lot from the rock climbing community. Anybody, anybody climb rocks? Any rock climbers? A couple, nobody? Okay, a couple, uh, what can see a couple of hands? All right, so in the rock climbing community, and this is your assignment, next time you're in Garden of the Gods and walking around, you see some climbers climbing, just go over in their vicinity and just listen. I'm 100% sure that what you will hear is very encouraging language. Someone will be up on a rock and the buddies down below will be saying things like, hey, good job, man, good, good hold. You're looking really balanced. You're looking really strong up there. The next hold is just a little ways away. You got this, you, you can do this. Why are they so encouraging? Because every one of them has probably been up there and knows just how important words are. They're up on the rock, they're looking down, they're scared. They're, they're like, can I do this next move? Can I not? 
Words of encouragement go a long way. So I think, man, as the church, we need to be more like that, just calling out the gold, calling out the encouragement, calling out things in each other and in the world around us because it has such power. The next point, kind of sub-point, just still under this heading of bringing healing, bringing truth into the world with our world is the power of silence. The power of silence. Maybe your mom said this. My mom's here. She said this growing up. Uh, did your mom ever say, if you, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Right? Did your mom say that? Some, hopefully you had someone in your life saying that. It's just like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. It's words of wisdom. It's a modern day proverb. Here's, here's how the Bible puts it. Proverbs 17, 28. Even, uh, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Think about that. Like if you're going into a meeting and you have no idea what's going on, you're kind of foolish about the subject or whatever, keep your mouth shut. The proverb goes on to say, when he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. Like this is, this is wisdom right here. Like just keep your mouth shut. People will think you're smarter than you are. Here's another proverb, 1727. He who has knowledge, <clears throat> he who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of calm spirit. Think about what you're saying. This, the, the point one was words have power. If you don't have nice things to say, if you don't have encouraging things, things said in love, well, then maybe don't say anything at all. This final one is this, still under this heading of point two, that our words carry with it can, can be healing and life for other individuals. This, this I, I wrote down that a word in due season can declare prophecy. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, a word in due season. It comes from the Proverbs. It comes from the King James Version of uh, chapter 15, verse 23. It says, a man hath joy by the answers of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is, exclamation point. A word spoken in due season. The right word at the right time it's like a prophetic word in someone's life that can be so encouraging, so life-giving. Saying something, we all know this to be true. If you're a Christian, you're in here, uh, we would all say God is good, but maybe that word spoken to someone going through something desperate, they're in a situation where they're, they're wondering, is God good? And that word that we all know to be true, God is good, comes to them and it's a word in due season. Maybe just like a word like God loves you is a word that can be spoken. We all know this to be true. There's nothing special about it, but yes, it is special and it's a hundred percent true. And maybe someone at the right time needs to hear it. So be listening to the Lord, waiting for words of encouragement to speak to someone. If anybody in here needs an assignment, you need something to do. You're like, man, well, I wonder what the Lord has for me. Give words of encouragement to other people. Find five people today if you want like a specific assignment. Have five conversations. Send five texts or emails or break it up with a phone call or a visit or walk by someone's house and just say a couple sentences of encouragement. Say a couple sentences of love with your words. It, just, it won't cost you anything, any monetary money, but it will bring so much to the other person. Our words can speak healing and life over individuals. So we've talked about the power of words. We've talked about the specific, like speaking life and healing over individuals. And now point number three is this, 
that words can have the power to save. Words have the power to save. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he spoke the word, it is finished. He declared that his work on the cross was finished. We have a cross in the center of our room reminding us that Jesus died for our sins. God in Jesus, full God, full human, came to this earth, died for our sins and declared it is finished. Jesus in his earthly ministry would look at individuals and say, your sins are forgiven. And people would look at, who is this guy that he's, he says, your sins are forgiven. Who is this that he can say this? Well, We believe and we hope and we declare that Jesus is fully God. Jesus is at a situation where a centurion, a Roman soldier, comes to him and says, Jesus, would you heal my servant who is back home? You don't even need to go. You can just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus prays for the servant from afar, just says the word, be healed, and he's healed. And then Jesus says of this Roman centurion, the soldier, I've seen no faith like this in all of Israel. This man has such great faith where he just knows the power of a word. Words have power. Here's how salvation works. Many of you know this verse, Romans 10, 9, says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For then here's the explanation, verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Our words have the power to save. Let me, let me talk a little bit about the power of words in the form of a story. I'll kind of conclude this sermon with this story. It's a guy named George Smith who was a missionary in the 1700s. Uh, I heard his story this week because it's a, sort of an anniversary for when in the 1700s. He came from Europe. He was part of the Moravian movement, this, this group of Christians that were so passionate about going and spreading the gospel to unknown regions, like planting seeds uh, in far off places, which is what the church is called to do. It's why we're going to Alaska and why we prayed over a team going to just plant seeds. Like that's what we're going to do. We're going to go with the mission to plant seeds of God's truth. And this guy named George Smith, he comes from Europe. He sails to uh, Cape Town, South Africa. What's, what's today this city there in the country of South Africa? And I've been there. And it's a beautiful place. It's, it's a Christian city, and there's there's so many uh, just churches. And the power of Christ is there. But in the 1700s, there wasn't any churches. There wasn't any missionary outposts. And this guy is the first one to bring. Uh, he he goes into Cape Town. He goes into the continent, and he he makes the first missionary outpost in all of like. Southern Africa. And he, he holds a little small group. He teaches people how to farm because they were starving. He's like, here's some better farm practices. He teaches them a little bit about the gospel. And over the course of five years, at the end of five years, there's a few converts and he ends up baptizing them praise the Lord, and word of that gets out. And other Christians, like back home, they, they decide to like they point him out as like, hey, you're not ordained. You're just some guy who's 26 years old. And they're like, you can't be baptizing. And he kind of gets into an arguments with the with Catholics and the Dutch reform, which is just, that's too bad when we as Christians fight over silly stuff like that. Like, where does Jesus say you need to be ordained to, be, to baptize someone? He just says, go, baptize. And so, so anyways, he, this guy, George Smith, 
makes a house, plants a pear tree, baptizes a few people, gets word back that he, he just there's like fights and over what he's doing, and he decides to go back home. And I imagine like a few converts, he was there a total of six years. He must have just felt like that was a failure. Like I, th- I threw some seeds out there, and, and what, what, he must have just gone back home with his tail between his legs, and he ends up you know, living his life and, and doing his things in Europe. And years pass, and another group of people, five decades, 50 years passes, another group of Moravians says, they're gonna go into South Africa and they're gonna you know, start over this mission. And they get there, they go into Cape Town, they go into Africa, and they find like his old home where he uh, used to live. And to their astonishment, that little pear tree that I mentioned that he planted, it's a huge, huge tree with tons of pears on it. And also to their astonishment, he, they go around and they meet the people they meet, they're all all Christians, 50 years later, the church has been booming there because of those little seeds that George Smith planted. They meet a woman, her name is uh, Magdalena, and she was, she's like 50 years older, she was just a little girl back then, but she was one of the original converts, and now she's become this matriarch of this village, and she had the very Bible that George had given to her, and she had given it to her daughter, and these missionaries sit down, and they listen to the Bible being read, and they're just in astonished that, that these little seeds seeds that were planted had grown and grown and the Lord had watered. The Lord had grown them. And I just think about, man, what a metaphor for our words and using words of encouragement, using words of truth to see the gospel declared around the world, to see the gospel in Manitou, to see the gospel amongst us. Would you bow your heads with me? The band can come up. They're going to sing a song about how great the Lord is. And so Lord, with, with bowed heads here. Lord, we, we started this sermon asking you to show us a mirror of ourselves, inviting your conviction, inviting your encouragement, Lord. And so, Lord, now we, we, we say that again, Lord. Would, would you convict us in areas where, Lord, we just need to repent of being sarcastic or negative or trying to win an argument at the, at the, the just being mean about it. Lord, would you forgive us for that? Lord, we, we go to your table now. We, we consider be you inviting us into your table. And, and Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we use our words to express worship. We use our words to express how wonderful it is to be in your kingdom, to be given your spirit among us. Lord, we praise you right now. We worship you. We, we go to the table now, considering that your body and your blood have been broken and shed for us. So that we pray these things, we seal them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me, Brett? Would you lead us to the table?